The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. <laughs> you are listening to the Burrows of Berea Holiday Edition. Holla! Welcome back to another special episode of the Burrows of Berea. As you heard, Holiday Edition. To my left, I have got slick Billy Kimsey in the corner. Hello. Andy said nobody puts Billy in the corner. Except <laughs> except me. Yeah. But I don't dirty dance. So anyway. That's not what I heard. <laughs> You got Ralph Hicks. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Rocket Man, Andy Bishop behind the glass. I don't know how to respond to that. I need a wittier response. But I, I don't want to just do the rocket sound again. I feel like I've done that thrice. Thrice. <laughs> and and as, uh, for a special occasion, a holly day, I have my wife, Holly, here. Say hello. Hello. All right. So we are going to be talking about Halloween. And as you know, there's a lot of people in the world that thinks that it's a very evil holiday, and I don't really necessarily believe that. Did you say that was your favorite holiday? It is my absolute favorite holiday. And it's because I love the fall. I love the harvest moon. I love uh, seeing the leaves change color. I like the low humidity because I'm overweight. <laughs> Let's just be real. I don't like the sky laying on my chest. So whenever I, don't I finally like my vast molding to my body. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you're into pumpkins, pumpkin spice, all the. I the, love the, pumpkin spice. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I can't finally the... wear my leather pants. There yeah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> right. Are we talking about the buttless pants that you were talking about? No, no, no. Those are the cheekless chaps. Those are not mine. Cheekless. The, the donkeyless <laughs> chaps. <Ooh. laughs> yeah. Careful. So we're going to be, yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, a few different subjects. Ralph's brought some notes. He's brought a stack of notes. And uh, I a, sent out some an stuff. An impressive book of notes. Yes, very much so. And uh, I, I hope... Holly, whenever we talk, I always make her listen to the podcast, you know? So everybody else, you know, just so you know, I torture her with it and she listens to it. But she, a lot of times when she talks to me in the car, you know, she'll say something and I'll be like, oh, wow, that would have been great. I wish we'd have thought of that during the show. So feel free to jump in at any time, babe. I would think she'd like the podcast because she gets to hear somebody besides you talk. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. The the secret the secret is in just edging yourself in sideways. You kind of got to make your openings, so don't be scared. Yeah, just jump. Yeah, because I will overtake you and continue to talk. <laughs> you'll, you'll go home after this and you'll think, I should have said this, I should have said this. Yep. And when you come back the next time, you'll say it. You're right. You're absolutely right. Or bring it up or, or rerun or something like that. Because you're like, dang it, I wish I would have said that. Say so. it because he can always cut it. I'm always delayed. I'm always delayed in my responses. <laughs> That's a, You know what? I could take your whole track and move <laughs> Will you marry? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you could put a delay on it. Like you could. She could be like, "Hello, hello, hello, hello." Right. All right. Let's jump into this thing. Okay. So, uh, Halloween. Uh, did you, t did, Ralph? Did you get any notes on like 
what Halloween is by any chance. Yeah. Do you mind like sharing that? Like, because I know you being uh, formerly Catholic, you understand what All Saints Day is, All Hallows Day, which I did not. We didn't celebrate it in the Baptist church. In fact, we never really talked about it. Um, the churches back in the day, they used to let us, you know, uh, go out and trick or treat and things like that. Now, some people are more against it these days. So they create the fall festival or the trunk or treat where it's safe for the kids so that they can't go out and get, you know, mutilated or uh, eat candy with razor blades in it like the good old days. <laughs> Remember back when you could put yeah. razor blades in candy and get away with it? Yeah. Well, that we, was a scare story. <laughs> we used that happen once and then the whole world thinks yep. it's going to happen every day. We used yeah. to eat candy right out of the trick or treat bag. That's not allowed anymore. No. No. I'm really curious how uh, Halloween works with COVID. Like, how do, do everybody's wearing masks? So that's good. Yeah. You know, it's the official holiday of COVID. <laughs> <Halloween>. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure the kids are taking them off for Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. Here, have a, have a tasty treat of my coronavirus. <laughs> a lot of the kids don't even wear their mask properly, anyways. Yeah. Well, I well, don't even wear a mask anymore. A lot of adults don't wear a mask properly, to be fair. True mm-hmm. statement. Yeah, I had a I had a little meme that had a picture. It showed a man that had a mask down below his nose, and then also a kid with his underwear down and his winky hanging out. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I've heard that. Pretty yeah. much the same, right? <laughs> well, not the same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't mind touching your nose. <laughs> All right, Ralph, what do you got? Tell us about Halloween. Well, there's a lot of different things. So, uh, one of them is Sam Hain. The origin of Halloween can be traced to this ancient pagan festival cel- celebrated by Celtic people over 2,000 years ago. Uh, the, the Celts uh, say the living could visit with the dead. However, the Bible clearly teaches that the dead are conscious of nothing at all. Um, Halloween costumes and trick-or-treat are things that came along with it. A lot of that came along with uh, the Catholics when uh, the Pope, uh, they say the Pope tried to hijack the the holiday. Um, in the beginning, it was hollowed out turnip lanterns that they carried, not pumpkins. Uh, in uh, the 1800s in North America, pumpkins replaced turnips because they were plentiful as well as easy to hollow out. Uh, so uh, the belief behind this custom, the immortality of the soul, purgatory, and prayers for the dead are not based on the Bible. But this, uh, this says supplicants move from door to door asking for food in return for a prayer for the dead. They would carry hollowed-out pumpkin lanterns whose candle connoted a soul trapped in purgatory. Uh, and like I said, there, I found a lot of stuff. Did on it make this. mention of the soul cakes? Did you see anything about that? There, there was there was mention of that in in, in one of them where I saw that. Uh, and in fact, it's in some of this paperwork. I just didn't highlight that. Um, it says, "What does the Bible say about Halloween?" First of all, understand that Halloween is mostly a Western custom, and it has no direct reference in the Bible. Uh, All Saints Day, celebrated on November 1st, Halloween is the the shortened name on All Halloween, All Hallows Evening, and All Saints Eve, which is celebrated on October 31st. Uh, The origin and meaning of Halloween are derived from ancient Celtic harvest festivals, but more recently we think Halloween is a night filled with candy, trick-or-treating, pumpkins, ghosts, and and death. And then I mentioned Sam Hain, which was the original uh, the original name. Uh, there's another tradition that, uh, in, in the Druidic belief that uh, the night of November 1st, demons, witches, and evil spirits freely roam the earth. Uh, and uh, during the Roman Empire, there was a custom of eating or giving away fruit, especially apples, on Halloween. And that spread out to other countries. Yeah, uh, like that neighbor that I always hated. Like, <laughs> here, have a apple <laughs> instead of, you know, 
the other neighbor that gave us a full-sized Snicker bar. Oh, oh yeah. that's the baby. We always went to You got there. that address? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they said souling, uh, which is trick-or-treating. Uh, it was originally souling when children would go door-to-door on Halloween with soul cakes. There it is. Singing and saying prayers for the dead. Uh, so the soul cakes basically were the, the families, just like now when you go to the door and they give you candy, you know, for the sake of just giving you candy because it's a, fe- you know, it's uh, a holiday. Back then, these people would go and they would pray for their loved ones. And so they would come to the house and they would, here, have a soul cake uh, on us, pray for our, you know, family members. It was pretty neat. A soul cake. A soul cake. Yeah. Another thing I Sounds read. Sounds like that- a band, doesn't it? It does. Ooh. Soul cake. Soul coughing. I remember that. You remember those guys? Yeah, they were amazing. A long time ago. Yeah, they were awesome. Great band. Never heard of them? Nope. No, oh, they were awesome. Really? Nope. No. They had that one hit, and I bet you know it. Walk around in circles. Yeah. Walk around in circles. Yeah, that was a great song. Hmm. I'll say nope. it more tonight. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, Ralph. Sorry. Uh, no, that's okay. Halloween, uh, uh, also known as All Halloween, All Hallows Eve, All Saints Day. Uh, celebrated and observed in many countries. And, you know, I found interesting, uh, a lot of the changes that we see today are because of the, the North America. But Islam, uh, they, the, uh, a brief illustrated guide to understanding Islam has ruled that Muslims should not participate in Halloween, stating that participation in Halloween is worse than participating in Christmas or Easter. It is more sinful than congratulating the Christians for their prostration to the crucifix. Uh, the uh, Hindus uh, remember the dead during the festival of, of Pitru Paksha, uh, during which Hindus pay homage to and perform a ceremony to keep the souls of their ancestors at rest. It is celebrated in the Hindu month of Bharata, usually in mid-September. And then uh, neo-paganism. Uh, there's no real consistent rule on, on, on hollowing amongst those who describe themselves as neo-pagans or Wiccans, some neo-pagans do not observe Halloween, but instead observe Samhain, which is the Celtic version. And uh, I do want to, sorry to interrupt you, but the proper pronunciation of that, even though it is spelled that way, is Samhain. Samhain, okay. Samhain, even, it's spelled Samhain, oh, yeah. and I've always heard it that way, but it's Samhain. That's interesting, mm-hmm. Samhain. Very. All righty. They uh, just didn't know how to spell. Right. <laughs> Let's just be real. The Gaelics, the Celtics, you know, they didn't know how to spell. Their vowels. G-A-E-L, for real, like... Come on. <laughs> um, traditions around the world, um, it, it varies greatly among countries that observe it. Scotland and Ireland, traditional Halloween costumes include children dressing up in costume going, guising, holding parties, while other practices in Ireland include lighting bonfires and having fireworks to spray. In Brittany, children would play practical jokes by setting candles inside skulls in graveyards to frighten visitors, which is why we have pumpkins with uh, candles in them sometimes as well. So there's a lot of information on it. Uh, the Bible doesn't speak specifically to it, but there are, I gave you a thing with a hundred Bible verses that speak to it, but they speak about evil and the devil. Uh, for instance. Yeah, it uh, would have been, it, it probably didn't exist yet, right? I mean. In, no, no. Yeah. Or at least not in the cultures that wrote right. the Bible. Right. Well, I mean, now the Celts that they're talking about, that was 2,000 years ago. That was the time of Christ. Yes. Yeah. So it, it, they were basically it's a harvest festival, and they were it was going to be they were celebrating the, the time end of summer, the end of summer, and it yeah. was become it was going to be more night. Yeah, it was going to be dark. Now it's going to start getting darker as you know, end of the harvest season and the beginning of the night season. So they would celebrate, you know, and it was a way for the community to get together. And when you 
you know, are living out in the middle of, you know, some miry, you know, terrible place, rainy Scotland, you know, it's nice or Ireland or wherever you are to be able to get together with some friends and to celebrate and to eat and, you know, catch up. Have a day to break up the, the drudgery of, uh, farm life, I think. Sure. Yeah. All that work just to get those crops and finally get them in and then just, you know, share a little bit with everyone and, but then to have a little bit of fun, you know, what's the, what's wrong with a little bit of blood and guts? Right. So, so carve out a turnip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I got my very own turnip. I'm gonna try that with my girls. Here yeah, you go. no, we're not doing pumpkins this year. We're gonna do a turnip. I want you to set two turnips on the table and be like, "Holla, <laughs> turnip grains." Getting back to the roots. <laughs> hey, we're getting back to our roots. Oh, that yeah. was, uh, nice, nice. That better was, than Riggs. That was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of getting back to, um, one of the articles I came across said, "Should Christians celebrate Halloween?" And there's a lot of perspectives on that, uh, and. But one of the things that I thought was interesting, and I, this is when I talked about the Catholics hijacking, during the 8th century in the Diocese of Rome, Pope Gregory III moved All Saints Day to November 1st, officially making October 31st All Hallows' Eve, where we get that name and uh, claiming the celebration for Christians. Uh, so that is, uh, I mean, there's a lot of... Yeah, culture that goes along with this. There's a lot of folklore that goes along with it. And then as far as the Bible concerned, I gave you a thing with 100 verses. Uh, this one had 13 in it. Um, and it basically, they just say things like, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Uh, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them and give no opportunity to the devil. And that was paper falling. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a luring lion, seeking someone to devour. Abstain from every form of evil. So, you know, preachers forever have been using all of these different ones to say you shouldn't have Halloween. But, boy, I'll say they have Harvest Festival, don't they? Yes. Fall Festival and all these other things. We'll give you candy. You come over here and listen to us. It's just a change of the name, but hollow means holy, and it means the evening before the holiness. Right. It's like, it's not evil, it's a good thing, but it's because of horror and all that other stuff that came along with well, it being what scary. Sells. What were you going to say, Andy? How long before, how long after you adopt a holiday and kind of refigure it so that it, I don't know, so that it looks good for you personally, how many centuries has to pass before you aren't how do I say this? See the stuttering. This is for the 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 long pauses. That's for the yeah. <laughs> uh, how long? How long before you don't have to defend the origins of the holiday after it's been changed for a couple centuries? Never. Well, in some yeah. things, it's five. It, it's five generations. You've got to get through the first three generations to get it to go away a little bit, and then the next couple of generations have accepted it. And then by the time that they have kids, when you get to the fifth generation, it starts to become acceptable because you've gone through all of those uh, different passages where, no, we're against it. Well, maybe, oh, kind of. Well, I kind of like it. And our kids say, hey, we are, we're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like you're still apologizing for the the intent, the possible intent of people that you never knew, the intent you never had yourself. No Christian celebrates Halloween in any way, in thought or in spirit that in any way invokes 
this sort of evil spirit that some people are worried about and at and where does intent become where does intent become important it feels like at some point well intent is the is the word i thought bird was the word that's what i heard <laughs> but look it, you're right i mean christians don't look at halloween and think you know, oh, I am going to conjure a demon tonight. Like, they're not thinking about that. They're like, I'm going to get my kids. They're well, going to dress up like a little bee, and we're going to take them around the neighborhood, and they're going to get to see their right. next-door neighbor dressed up, too, and we're all going to laugh. It's just fun. Go home and eat some candy and get sick, and then we won't do it anymore, and we'll hide their candy, and then we'll give it to them next year, or we'll give them to them at Christmas or whatever. All, all holidays, you know, it, it's almost like, like Christ, Christmas, for instance. You know, I always— uh, Colin always mentioned to me, you know, it's like, you know, it's pagan. It's a pagan holiday, you know? And it's like, and you guys, don't you know you're worshiping, you know, it's a it's a pagan holiday. And I was like, I'm very aware that it was pagan. And I'm also very <laughs> yeah, aware of when all of this stuff changed. I and, heard. Yeah. And just so you know, I do believe in Santa Claus. And so, <laughs> what did you say? Like, what, I was like, sorry, kids, Santa isn't real. <laughs> yeah. You know, like. Welcome that, to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fear, you know, the fear of it. You know, so uh, Holly, you grew up in, you know, a small Baptist church your entire life. You know, did did you see any changes over the course of your life where it was acceptable and the not acceptable? And yeah, when I was um, when I was younger, um, we dressed up, we went trick or treating. Everybody from the church went trick or treating, um, and within our small community, um, you know, we would all visit each other's houses. And um, I remember going to actually. Um, a very well-known church member's house and seeing a guy with um, the makeup put on like an, what is this? What am I trying to say? Like a, not a bullet, but like a screw or something like a bolt going through his head. And I, they were very prominent people in the church. So it's definitely changed since then. Um, it's almost done like a, a, a complete 360 and now it's, you know, complete opposition. Right. Oh, oh, really, is that is that kind of the state of your church now? Is is more oppositional to the holiday? Because that's that's interesting. Is that probably is that more so now? I think I, I think so now. And I don't know. Mm. In my humble opinion, I don't know if it's if it's done because of a specific a specific individual's decision, but it also seems to be that. You know how we've been talking about the second coming of Christ. There's this, the more that people see and they think that prophecy is being fulfilled and they're concerned about people that they need to be focused on God, anything that takes away the focus from God is suddenly an evil thing. And so if they take it very seriously and they feel like, hey, if I'm going to play with this evil thing in front of everybody, then I'm not going to be seen as a person that you could trust. You know, and and if you want to come to me and talk about holy things, pure things— Things don't don't conjure demons or horror or blood and guts or, you know, the gore that comes with Halloween horror and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, they're trying they're trying to separate themselves because the Bible says to be separate. You know, we're pilgrims. We're in a in a strange land. We we are not of this world, so we should be separate. I I can see where it comes from. Like I get it. I just think it's over the top, and I think it's incorrect. I think that you know we should be able to be in our community. And to be able to be a part of the community, it says to be in the world, but not of it. By saying not of it means that we're not going to partake in the things that would be, for instance, evil. Like if you're with somebody and they're like, hey, let's go steal, you know, all those speakers out of the back of that truck. We could say, no. Oddly specific. I only need two. Oddly specific, yeah. (laughs) 
I mean, I'm just thinking out loud here, you know, what there was a box of Twinkies. I saw it and I took them, you know, I don't want them. You know, like we're not going to be a part of it. Well, I think it was all in good fun mm-hmm. as as a child. And I have very good memories of, you know, going around and visiting people from church and, um, you know, seeing them dressed up. It was always um, it was always really neat to see, you know, what costumes, you know, different people came up with. I know when I was a kid, we just went to family houses, which all my family lives close. And so we just we just went to to grandmas and aunts and uncles and then we didn't do the house to house or the big neighborhood to see how many pounds of candy we could get. We oh, just we, we did. just yeah, we yeah. just we just we just hit the families and we were we were out and gone and that was it. Me and my two brothers and that was it. Well, because it was family, you probably got a lot of candy from them. Oh anyway. yeah, it was, it was loaded and it was safe. We could eat it on the car, you know. Right. So, you know, so <laughs> and we turn definitely the light on and search it. We definitely knew uh, what house had the big Snickers bars uh, and ooh. you know the king size Reese's cups. Oh yeah, and- if you did it in the same neighborhood you lived in for a couple of years, you knew who had candy and who was going to be cheap. <laughs> and the Pepsi's, yeah, yeah. Oh, Pepsi. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Pepsi. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's. Wow. I never got the Pepsis. I did I did get the full size Snicker bars, which I thought was pretty awesome. The old Tommy King size, not these this crap. Not you the, buy, double. the double. No, no, no. The, the two chunks. It was the kind Come where you on. take a bite, it falls completely apart. We we don't need them in two separate pieces to exactly. keep it clean. It's exactly. supposed to be nasty. That's yeah. the point, right? The king size and the big slam Mountain Dew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> remember the, remember the big, the big gulp. slam? Yeah. It's a leader. So yeah. <laughs> Well, how about so, Andy? Like when you came up, it was just all in good fun. Never thought of anything. Nobody, no, nobody thought about it. Said anything about it. There was not a single person of any religion that I can remember that ever spoke a word against Halloween mm-hmm. and dressed up as whatever, yeah, whoever, just like whenever, well, yeah, dressed up as whatever. To I don't think angels. To yeah, whatever. exactly. Okay. Yeah, okay. there was no, there wasn't a word about it. I think that's the only life. holiday I remember that our friends that were Jehovah's Witnesses on the other street actually did trick or treating. Did they? I think it's the only thing that I ever see, saw them do. I mean, they didn't do Christmas, which or they're not supposed to. Halloween, no, uh, no it's against their birthdays and stuff. I, I was, I was actually thinking about Jehovah's earlier because my, my mom is like sort of a Jehovah. She's not fully converted because then things get tricky for you know familial relations, which is crazy talk. Sounds like Scientology. <laughs> but she, uh, but you see it in her every year. She doesn't celebrate Christmas anymore. But she used to love to decorate and stuff, and I just know, I can just see it in her face that she'll, like, put little decorations up and then feel crappy about it, but she wants <laughs> to do it because she likes to do it. But then she has to feel guilty because she put some red ribbon up in the house. It's just silly. Just just put the ribbon up if you want to. Yeah. Put the reindeer out there. Yeah, put the reindeer Come out on. there. Come on. Come on, Mom. So that's more her jam than uh, Halloween, but yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, like, they don't celebrate birthdays. Jehovah's Witnesses don't. Right. Do you know why they don't celebrate birthdays? No. Really? I did not know that. I'll tell you why. Their whole reasoning why. When John the Baptist came out and told Philip that he could not sleep with his brother's wife, they put him in prison, okay? And so, Phil, I think it was, or Philip or Herod, I can't remember which one. I'll have to look it up. But basically, it was... His brother's wife's daughter had danced for him, and the I think it was King Herod. He was so happy when he saw her dance that he said, take whatever you want. I'll give you up to a third of my kingdom. And she went and asked her mother, what should I ask? And she said, John the Baptist. I want the head of John the Baptist on a charger. 
on a platter. And that's exactly what happened. Wow. So they cut his head off. So they don't celebrate birthdays because of that. Which How, is a, wait, because wait. was it his birthday? Did I miss yeah. the part? It was yeah. the birthday. It was King Herod's birthday. And so wow. it was King oh. Herod's brother's wife's okay. Okay. daughter that danced for him and was very, very seductive. And he was so turned on by it. He was I, like, I'll give you a third of my kingdom. I, I don't know how that besmirches the concept of birthdays so much as maybe that particular just well they don't dance and they don't they yeah. don't dance because of that reason and they certainly don't really? um, yeah and they don't it's celebrate all from birthdays. that one just, oh, just that those one. things oh that's real <laughs> interesting, interesting. Yeah. because a trifling wow. whore decided to dance for somebody and the dude got mad horny right? that's the fact that's what it sorry <laughs> his brother's <laughs> wife's daughter doesn't that make it his niece and that's even worse oh yes technically yeah. i think you're right yeah. I'll never think of my birthday again the same. Thank you. Never? Thank you, Rick. Yeah. Thank you. Well, sorry about that. <laughs> she probably didn't need his money. She could have made that much money giving dancing lessons, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I'm going to get into a couple of Bible stories now, okay? So uh, I sent you guys some notes on King Saul, and we're going to get into that. It's going to take a little bit of time. And this is just, I'm going to straight up read it to you, all right? I didn't put this in the notes. Listen very carefully. And Andy, if you don't mind, cue the eerie, spooky music now. So you're going to find this in Judges. So is this what you meant by the 17 hours to record this novel? Yes. By the way, his wife did not receive these notes. That's right. So I'm going in blind. All right. She's flying blind. Okay, Andy, now let's cue the eerie music. (laughs) Judges 19. I'm going to read the entire chapter. Listen carefully. In those days when there was no king in Israel, a certain Levite was sojourning in the remote parts of the hill country of Ephraim, who took to himself a concubine from Bethlehem in Judah. A concubine is a woman that's not his wife. And his concubine was unfaithful to him, and she went away from him to her father's house at Bethlehem in Judah, and was there some four months. Then her husband arose and went after her to speak kindly to her and bring her back. He had with him his servant and a couple of donkeys. And she brought him into her father's house. And when the girl's father saw him, he came with joy to meet him. And his father-in-law, the girl's father, made him stay. And he remained with him three days. So they ate and drank and spent the night there. Does this sound like the guys that are driving by a farm and they go up and the old farmer's daughter? You remember those old? Oh, yeah. The scary story? Go get me a watermelon. (laughs) (laughs) Rocky Horror Picture Show. This is the beginning of Rocky Horror. Here we go. Just a step to the left. That's right. And on the fourth day, they arose early in the morning and he prepared to go. But the girl's father said to his son-in-law, strengthen your heart with a morsel of bread and after that you may go. So the two of them sat and ate and drank together. And the girl's father said to the man, be pleased to spend the night and let your heart be merry. You know, this guy's really want me to stay the night a lot. And when the man rose up to go, his father-in-law pressed him till he spent the night there again. And on the fifth day, he arose early in the morning to depart. And the girl's father said, strengthen your heart and wait until the day declines. So they ate, both of them. And when the man and his concubine and his servant rose up to depart, his father-in-law, the girl's father said to him, behold, now the day has waned toward evening. Please spend the night. Behold, the day draws to its close. Lodge here and let your heart be merry. And tomorrow you shall arise early in the morning for your journey and go home. But the man would not spend the night. He rose up and departed and arrived opposite Jebus, that is, Jerusalem. 
He had with him a couple of saddled donkeys, and his concubine was with him. When they were near Jerusalem, the day was nearly over, and the servant said to his master, Come now, let us turn aside to this city of the Jebusites and spend the night in it. It sounds like one of those driving, you know, like driving down the back roads, and you got the lights on, you're trying to find a place to stay. And you see that no vacancy up there on Psycho. And his master said to him, We will not turn aside into the city of foreigners who do not belong to the people of Israel, but we will pass on to Gibeah. And he said to his young man, Come and let us draw near to one of these places and spend the night at Gibeah or at Ramah. So they passed on and went their way, and the sun went down on them near Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin. And they turned aside there to go in and spend the night at Gibeah. And he went in and sat down in the open square of the city, for no one took them into his house to spend the night. And behold, an old man was coming from his work in the field at evening. The man was from the hill country of Ephraim, and he was sojourning in Gibeah. The men of the place were Benjaminites, and he lifted up his eyes and saw the traveler in the open square of the city. And the old man said, Where are you going, and where do you come from? And he said to him, We are passing from Bethlehem in Judah to the remote parts of the hill country of Ephraim, from which I come. I went to Bethlehem in Judah, and I am going to the house of the Lord, but no one has taken me into his house. We have straw and feed for our donkeys, with bread and wine for me and your female servant and the young man with your servants. There is no lack of anything. And the old man said, Peace be to you, I will care for all your wants, only do not spend the night in the square. So he brought him into his house and gave the donkeys feed, and they washed their feet and ate and drank. So he's like, whatever you do, don't go in the last door on the left. <laughs> right? As they were making their hearts merry, behold, the men of the city, worthless fellows, surrounded the house, beating on the door. And they said to the old man, the master of the house, bring out the man who came into your house that we may know him. In biblical language, that means we about to get it all up on Sodom these guys. and Gomorrah. And sodomy. Yeah, it's kind of like, it kind of reminds you of, of Lot, but this is not that story. It's very similar. Bring them out so that we may know him. And the man, the master of the house, went out to them and said to them, said to them, No, brothers, do not act so wickedly since this man has come into my house. Do not do this vile thing. Behold, here are my virgin daughter and his concubine. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. This is awful. Let me bring them out now. Violate them and do with them what seems good to you. But against this man, do not do this outrageous thing. But the men would not listen to him. So the man seized his concubine and made her go out to them. And they knew her and abused her all night until the morning. Oof. And as the dawn began to break, they let her go. And as morning appeared, the woman came and fell down at the door of the man's house where her master was until it was light. And her master rose up in the morning. And when he opened the doors of the house and went out to go on his way, behold, there was his concubine laying at the door of the house with her hands on the threshold. He said to her, Get up, let us be going. But there was no answer. Then he put her on the donkey, and the man rose up and went away to his home. And when he entered his house, he took a knife, and taking hold of his concubine, he divided her, limb by limb, into twelve pieces, and sent her throughout all the territory of Israel. And all who, said it, who saw it said, such a thing has never happened or been seen from the day that the people of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt until this day. Consider it, take counsel, and speak. Oh, huh? 
Okay, why did why did he do that? <laughs> why did he cut her into twelve pieces and scatter her flesh? I honestly think he's trying to send a message. <laughs> why am I laughing at this off? Yeah, Basically, these these evil men raped this woman to death. She died on this, you know, on the threshold, and so he took her and cut her up and sent it out. Sent her out because she was dead. Sent her out to all the tribes of Israel, letting them know how evil these men were and what they did to her. So it was a warning and take counsel and speak about this. Let everybody know what's going on over here in Gibeah in the town square. What do you think, little uh, Ted Bundyish? Huh? Yeah, that's a dark one. That's, yeah. Dahmer. What's in the box? Um, yeah. Wow. So, so, what's the? Sorry, what's the the fifth door that they weren't supposed to go in? Did I? Was that a no? Joke? I just okay. well, it's just <laughs> okay. stay for okay. a fifth okay. night. You know. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Not the last door. Was it the last door on the left? That was a horror movie. I think it was. I think. Yeah. So. Yeah, huh. that's that's wild though. I guess the Bible's full of hard, <laughs> real hard stories like that though. Yeah, I mean, there was something similar where Lot, you know, the, there were two angels that came to get Lot. And um, whenever the angels went into the house, it said that these men came and beat on the door. Very similar story. This was in Genesis. Like, bring them in out so that we can have sex with them. And he's like, no, don't do this vile thing. Here, take my daughters. It's like, that's not vile. Take my daughter. That's not vile. But if you have, like, you know, you take and rape men, that's considered vile. That's why whenever they ran from the city, God said, never look back. And so they rained fire and brimstone down and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for that reason. And his wife looked back anyway. And she became a pillar of salt, the Bible says. Yeah. And you can go there to this day and they have these like giant pillars of salt on the seashore, you know, it's pretty interesting. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. I always wonder, like, which one's Lot's wife, you know? <laughs> She's pretty hot. She's back in the sea. <laughs> back in the sea? Yeah. So tell me something. You guys read the notes on King Saul? Yes. Yes, some of them, yeah. So, Billy, I'm really interested. What do you think? Like? Of what? Like, like what do you mean? Like, So did you see the how he descends over time? Like how Saul? Does, or Saul. Samuel? Saul. Oh, okay. Um well, yeah, I guess, yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Ralph? I, yes and no. I, I don't think he descended as much you were as saying Samuel something earlier. made him yeah. up, out to be. You know, Samuel was a, a Bible thumper. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is the way, the one way, the and the only God. way. You know, well, shoot, look at Martin Luther did the same thing. You know, Thomas Aquinas lived a, such an ascetic life and everything has to be this way. I think he was just, you know, like that grandma that I had that everything was done perfectly and right the first time or you were terrible and you were going to hell. And mm-hmm. I don't think he slipped. I couldn't find a lot of things that said he was worshiping idols. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't... Uh, he I don't think it he said that he worshipped idols. He, he didn't offer sacrifices the way Samuel thought he should offer sacrifices. Well, big whoop. If he thought he needed to have a handle on him, he should have stayed with him closer. Instead of being off doing his prophesying, he should have stayed closer to him and been more of a mentor. But I think I think Saul gets a bit of a bad rap. I don't. I couldn't find any really terrible things about him that, and and he repented every single time. Mm-hmm. Every, every time that he that that he transgressed, it, it, as far as Samuel was concerned, uh, he begged for forgiveness. It once even uh, tearing his uh, robe. 
uh, and being chastised by Samuel. So I just, uh, I don't get it. You know, it's it's kind of like Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, to, to give you an idea of how I feel about it is, for those of you that have grandparents, um, you'll understand your nicest grandparent. You'll think of them. And for those of you that have grandkids, you'll really understand this. So Samuel in the Old Testament is kind of like kids. You're raising your kids, and you're pretty strict with them, especially the first one. And the New Testament is kind of like having grandkids. You just love them. It's all about love and happiness and positive and everything like that. And I think Samuel was just Old Testament and a little strict. And I think it could have been done a different way. I think David could have still become king uh, and Saul did repent. And uh, if Samuel would have spent more time with Saul, I think he could have done better. And uh, he wouldn't have gone so crazy at the end and got so jealous and... Uh, you know, brought up, brought upon his own demise, which probably would have happened the same day anyway. Might just have happened a little bit different, but that's my, that's my side study. It's such a <laughs> unique thing to hear you say that, Ralph, because you're the guy that wants Satan to get forgiven, but yet you want to pick on the prophet of God. I see where this is going, Ralph. No, I'm just kidding. No, I like your point of view. It's good because yeah. Samuel's sons weren't doing the job. No, that's why the people were like, "No, give us a king." Samuel's sons were worse than Saul. Samuel's sons were taking bribes and right. all kinds of things. They were the bad ones. Right. That's true. But see, because God says something, like only a, only Samuel can do the sacrifices on behalf of you. So because Saul does it, it's wrong. And it says, and God said that it was wrong. Yeah, well, he was military too. You got to remember, Saul was a military guy. So he's he's doing all these things and Samuel's not around. It's like, hey, we got to move on. So let's do this sacrifice and move on. Yeah, I, I'm not so sure that he was a military guy. He was a Benjaminite. He was from the humble clan. And he, he was, was, but he... <clears throat> his he, dad he, like he raised be, a bunch of donkeys. Yes, but he, came, <laughs> he became military because he did a lot of fighting. Yeah. And he, and he won a lot. He won everything until the end. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he'd have lost in the end if he would have had Samuel on his side and uh, been in better graces with the Lord. And had he not repented as much as he did, I could say, well, Samuel was right. But, you know, like I said, hellfire and brimstone, eye for an eye, it's the Old Testament. and Yeah. Well, let's give the audience a little taste here, okay? So we're going to try to get through this somewhat quick. I'm going to streamline it a little bit. But if anybody wants to read along, uh, the... Where is it, guys? It's in 1 Samuel. We're going to start in chapter 8. We, let's see. No, I'm sorry. We're going into chapter 9. Okay. Quick aside. I'd like to point out that I think Ralph is being uh, self-consistent by giving the person who's being uh, castigated the benefit of the doubt in both cases. Just seems to be a similar story. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trying to well, trying to give trying to give that one person the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, let's read it and see if Ralph is right. I know where he's coming from. I completely understand where he's coming from. You know, I just disagree wholeheartedly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, Ralph. I'm just kidding. I love the fact that you are the devil's advocate. <laughs> you think that would be me? I <laughs> know. I don't know the story well enough. Just because you're an atheist doesn't mean that you like the devil. That's true. Andy, That's can true. you put in like a very evil that. laugh when I say devil's advocate? <laughs> 
Never mind, Ralph got it. Yeah, oh, that speaking was pretty of which, good. When we do the oh, Christmas, <laughs> when we do the Christmas one, uh-huh. uh, you said uh, something, and then you said something right after that. He said, "Hey, kids, there's no Christmas." And then he made a comment, and I think that ought to be the beginning of the Christmas one because you take their two comments together. Oh yeah, welcome to the there's podcast. There's no Santa Claus. Hey yeah. guys, yeah. there's no Catholic Santa Claus. That's, that's welcome actually, to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. That ought to be the the, the opening for that. We were going to do that, but Andy backed out. He, he just he yeah, has too good I, of a heart. Yeah. I did it. He I did it as kids. a joke at one point, and Rick was like. Put that at the top of the podcast, and I could not do put it. it at the top of the Christmas <laughs> podcast because I thought it was funny. Because hey, kids, there's no Santa Claus, <laughs> and then you're like, "Welcome to the podcast." <laughs> I love it. Send emails to Rick Welch. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Chapter nine in First Samuel, guys. We're gonna. I'm gonna try to get through this as quick as I can. At least four hours. There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish. The son of Abiel, son of Zeror, son of Becherath, son of Aphiah, a Benjaminite. Got that, Andy? So, d- okay. <laughs> no. Yeah, he's in Deuteronomy. You just don't know. Just yeah, remember, yeah. Is, this Bagot, man's name Bagot, is Kish. Kish. And then, so here's what's, what matters. A Benjaminite, <laughs> a man of wealth. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a handsome young man. Kind of like Billy. He was like the eye candy of the Benjaminites. <laughs> There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than Billy. <laughs> From his shoulders Yeehaw. upward, he was taller <laughs> than any of the people. Does that mean he has a big head? Yeah. Now, just keep, <laughs> now, this is why I thought this was really cool. So, King Saul is a very prominent figure in the Old Testament. And we know the dance of death that he has with David you know, for quite some time uh, because he is the king, but God has anointed David to be king, even though because of what Saul had done. So there's this dance of death between the two. and uh, But here's how the story starts. And I love the fact that it starts this way. It says, now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. So Kish said to Saul, his son, take one of the young men with you and arise, go and look for the donkeys. And he passed through the hill country of Ephraim and passed through the land of Shalishah, but they did not find them. Poor little lost donkeys. <laughs> and they passed through the land of Shalim, but they were not there. You know, it's like, <laughs> wasn't there a nursery rhyme like where she she goes around and she's looking for her something? Little Miss Muffet. Sat on sat her tuffet. <laughs> What was the what was the the nursery rhyme where she loses her sheep? Little Bo Peep oh, lost her that, sheep. That's it. Yeah. Yes. So, so little little, little boy Jesus Saul lost his asses. <laughs> <laughs> it was his dad's assets. So then they passed through oh the land. Oh my god! Is that where that word comes from? <laughs> I don't know. Possibly. All right. Sorry. They were like, I don't know if I can give you any money. Show me your assets. <laughs> <laughs> How many asses do you have to trade? <laughs> then they passed through the land of Benjamin, but did not find them. When they came to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant, "Come." Or, <laughs> Saul said to his servant, who was with him, "Come, let us go back, lest my father cease to care about the donkeys and become anxious about us." But he said to him, "Behold, there is a man of God in this city, and he is a man whom is held in honor. All that he says comes true. So let us. So now let us go there. Perhaps he can tell us the way we should go." So this entire story of Saul, and when we get to the end of it, and you see the demise of Saul, it's unbelievable. For me, it's like. So his dad lost some donkeys, sent him to go find him, and it changed the course of Saul's life. It took him to this place. He had no idea where he was going. And he didn't want it. He didn't want it. He, 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 
he definitely he, he was reluctant to assume this new role of king. In fact, when the selection was announced to the people, he was hiding among the pack animals in the hope that he would be passed over. That's right. And we're, yeah, and we're going to get to that. But actually, we won't, now that you've said it, honestly, we don't even have to get there. But I did want to pull out this one thing in 1 Samuel 9 9 real quick. It says, formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he said, come, let us go to the seer. For today's prophet was formerly called a seer. So in the Old Testament, it's telling you back in Samuel's day, they, they would call him a seer. Kind of like, you know, when you, not really a tarot card reader, but the person that you would go and say, look into the crystal ball, kind of a feel. Like they were a seer. They could see into the other world, you know? So... They went up to the city. As they were entering the city, they saw Samuel coming out toward them on his way up to the high place. Now, the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed to Samuel, tomorrow about this time, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel. He shall save my people from the hand of the Philistines, for I have seen my people because they cry, their cry has come to me. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord told him, here is the man of whom I spoke to you. He it is who shall restrain my people. So we see now that God has selected him, correct? Mm-hmm. God yeah. selected this man. Yes. All right, which is interesting when you find out what happens to him much later. So in the beginning here, he selects him. And then Saul approached Samuel in the gate and said, Tell me, where is the house of the seer? Samuel answered Saul, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place for today, and you shall eat with me. And in the morning I will let you go and will tell you all that is on your mind. As for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, do not set your mind on them, for they have been found. And for whom is all that is desirable in Israel? Is it not for you and for all your father's house? Saul answered, Am I not a Benjaminite from the least of the tribes of Israel? And is not my clan the humblest of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then have you spoken to me in this way? So do you understand? Not only is it the weakest tribe, but Saul comes from the humblest clan of the weakest tribe. So he's he's making mention like, why are you, what? You're saying that I'm going to be something? And why are you coming to me with this? Samuel took Saul and his young man and brought them into the hall and gave them a a place at the head of those who had been invited, who were about 30 persons. And Samuel said to the cook, bring the portion I gave you of which I said to you, put it aside. So Samuel had already planned this out. God had forewarned all of them. And so Saul eats with Samuel. And after they come down from the high place in the city, uh, there was a bed spread out for Saul on the roof. And he laid there and he slept until the next day. Then the next day, Samuel tells him, Okay, I'm sort of free thinking here. Samuel tells the servant to go on. He's going to tell Saul what's going on. And so after after this happens, it says, Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Has not the Lord anointed you be prince over this people Israel? And you shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you shall save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. And this shall be the sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over his heritage, when you depart from me today, you will meet two men of Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelza, and they will say to you, the donkeys that you went to seek are found, and now your father has ceased to care about the donkeys and is anxious about you. Just exactly what Saul had said, saying, what shall I do about my son? Then you shall go on from there farther and come to the oak of Tabor. 
three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you there, one carrying three young goats. I would have paid big money to see that. Some dude carrying three little goats? Like, how's that happening? Another carrying three loaves of bread and another carrying a skin of wine, and they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall accept from their hand. After that, you shall come to Gibeath Elohim, where there is a garrison of the Philistines. And there, as soon as you come to the city, you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with harp, tambourine, flute, and lyre before them, prophesying. Now listen closely. Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. So why are we selecting this story for Christmas? The whole, not Christmas, Halloween. <laughs> Halloween. Let's get back to the right holiday. <laughs> holiday, holiday, holla. So, Holly Day. My wife, Holly, you haven't said much today, hon. I'm listening. It's because I'm talking a lot. See, I told yeah. you. I do it at home, too. Every morning. Let's just, let's take a little aside. Why don't you tell them what I do every morning? You go right ahead. You're doing a great job. <laughs> In the mornings when I get up and I bring her coffee, before she even takes the first sip, I've already been up two hours studying. And so I walk in there and I'm like, on blast. <laughs> Let me tell you what I read in the book about you. And then she finally, sweetly looks at me and says, would it be okay if I take a sip of my coffee? <laughs> would it be okay if you just get away? Do you mind leaving now? The only, uh, Holly enjoys these podcasts because that's her quiet time. And you drug her here. To listen to you more. I did, yeah. yeah. Oh, bazinga. I told her I wanted to see where the sausage was made. Because <laughs> basically it's a sausage fest up in here. I really thought he was being dirty, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So, then... I've lost my train of thought. Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you. Just laugh, Ralph. Let her rip, tater chip. <laughs> what is it? What? <laughs> you can't even talk. Is that where he is right now? It was your Simpson reference, which is so good. <laughs> oh, what? I, I don't even know the Simpsons oh, reference. Oh, yeah. Mr. Burns? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. What's that? Yeah. I don't even know what it is. That's that's the way he used to say excellent. Say, say it again. Excellent. Yeah, oh, that's that's that's, that's it. That, that's, yep. that's I've Mr. never Burns. watched an episode of The Simpsons in my well, life. Well, you just nailed How? it. Yeah. How? I don't know. Like I, when I first started, like when I was a kid, I watched the Tracy Ullman show on Fox, and that's where The Simpsons actually got their start. Was yep. in the little yep. asides, you know, they did, and I never really cared for it. You know, the Cowabunga dude and all that stuff. Like it's I never the cared. The yellow skin, right? It's got a, the jaundice. It's, it's the jaundice, yeah. Yeah, I just never could do it. Or the blue hair. Don't have a cow, Ooh. man. Don't have a cow, dude, or whatever <laughs> right. you said. The thing I just about never the Simpsons it. is it gets away, like Bart's obviously a thing, but it gets away from, it doesn't center entirely around Bart. Mm -hmm. Most of the good stuff has to do with Homer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Homer, <laughs> really. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Anyway. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speed this up now just a little bit. So basically what happens is Samuel... Um, has selected uh, Saul because God has told him to. And everything that he said, the Spirit of God's going to come upon you. You're going to prophesy. Everything does happen. The people in the town are like, they see him prophesying. And they're like, is, is Saul a prophet now? You know, so it, it kind of hails back when you think about Jesus, like Jesus is a prophet and Jesus is also a king. And, you know, there's it, it's, Saul's kind of like a type, except Saul doesn't do what God tells him to do. At times, Saul does what he wants to do. That's what separates him. And David does the same thing, but you know, in this 
book in First Samuel, it says that God is looking for a man that's after his own heart. And that's, you know, who he ends up finding is David. So Saul uh, sacrifices the wrong way, and David has an affair, and Saul gets sent down. Yeah. So if you remember, I read to you earlier that really scary story, right? Or yes. the, the, the hacked up. Listen much. to this. So listen to where they are. When they came to Gibeah, that's where that happened. What I read earlier, where the hacking up and all that craziness happened. When they came to Gibeah, behold, a group of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God rushed upon him, and he prophesied among them. So that very place where that terrible murder and the rape and all that stuff happened, that's where they were when all this stuff happens. It's just kind of a unique coincidence. So they ask, is Saul among the prophets? When he had finished prophesying, he came to the high place. And then Saul's uncle comes to him, where did you go? And he said, to seek the donkeys. And when we saw they were not to be found, we went to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, please tell me what Samuel said to you. And Saul said to his uncle, he told us plainly that the donkeys had been found, but about the matter of the kingdom of which Samuel had spoken, he did not tell him anything. So the way that I interpreted it, Ralph, I think it was a little bit different from you. I think you were, you were saying that um, Saul was scared that he was hiding from it. I, I think you're right. I think maybe he was... I think it was a daunting task. I mean, there was so many things going on. Some of the things that I... And I read a, a bunch of things, and this one has a lot of the things in that I read, but there was no central authority. There, They just had some, you know, occasional judges. They didn't really have, a, you know, a military got thrown together. They didn't have... I mean, nothing was organized. You had 12 tribes, most of whom didn't have a lot of power or strength or anything to speak of, and they're all kind of doing their own thing. And you've got to build an economy, a military. I mean, you've got to build, you've got to do all of this. And he could see that we've got none of that, and I'm certainly the lowest of the low. How am I going to do this? Sure. If somebody came to me and was like, hey, we've decided you're going to be president, I'd be like, this is a trap. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, who? they need a fall guy. Uh, you, you, your, your response should be, you should say, Yes, Mr. Rothschild. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mr. Rockefeller. I will be president of this nation. All right, so I w so we've started. I just wanted to show you that it sort of happened upon Saul. I'm not going to skip too far ahead. I want you to see whenever Saul is actually proclaimed king and what Samuel says as he's proclaiming that Saul is king in front of the people. So uh, in verse 17, I'm not sure which chapter we're in now. I apologize. Now, Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mizpah, and he said to the people of Israel, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. Now listen close, guys. But today you have rejected your God, who saves you from all your calamities and your distresses. And you have said to him, set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. Then Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, and the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. He brought the tribe of Benjamin near by its clans, and the clan of the Matrites was taken by Lot. And Saul, the son of, Kishin, of, son of Kish, was taken by Lot. But like like you said earlier, but when they sought him, he could not be found. So they inquired again of the Lord, is there a man still to come? And the Lord said, behold, it, had, it was the Lord that found him. Behold, he has hidden himself among the baggage. Then they ran and took him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, do you see him who the Lord has chosen? 
There is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted, long live the king. So Samuel just said, you have rejected the Lord your God who saved you from all your calamities and all your worries. And then you said, set us a king above us. And then he goes and brings the guy out and says, here he is. And they're like, you know, long live the king. Like, we don't care. Like, we have no, we don't care. Well, just because they request, the fact that they requested a king showed that they lacked faith because they should have put their trust in God and they wanted to put it in a king. Mm -hmm. And that was their lack of faith right there was, we want a king. Well, you have God, just trust in God. But that wasn't enough. So... Remember the story I read to you earlier? Remember in, whenever they were in Gibeah in the town square? Mm-hmm. Do you remember what the Bible called them, the people that came beating on the door? Remember what they called them? We're worthless fellows. Worthless fellows. Remember that. So remember that, okay? Verse 25, then Samuel told the people the rights and duties of the kingship, and he wrote them in a book and laid it up before the Lord. Then Samuel sent all the people away, each one to his home. Saul also went to his home at Gibeah, which is where that happened. And with him went men of valor whose hearts God had touched. But some worthless fellows said, how can this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no present, but he held his peace. So some worthless fellows you know, in Gibeah. In chapter 11, um, that was chapter 10, sorry. In chapter 11, a people at odds against Israel, the Ammonites attack and and siege a town called Jabesh Gilead. Yet another siege. That's where you have to buy a donkey's head for 80 shekels of silver. During the siege, the Israelites and Jabesh send a message to the Ammonite general, make a treaty with us and we will serve you. The general of the Ammonites, Nahash, uh, sends them a return message. On this condition... I will make a treaty with you that I gouge out all your right eyes and thus bring disgrace on all Israel. So suddenly they're like, "Uh uh-oh, this guy is rough. Now, this tells you a little bit about Saul. That's a treaty? (laughs) That was his treaty. He was basically saying, they were like, make a treaty and then we'll serve you. And he's like, okay, how about I cut out all your right eyes? How do you like them apples? It's a rough bargain. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Now you want to go bobbing for apples? How about bobbing for them apples? That was a Halloween pun. What do you think, babe? I'm glad I only have one right eye. <laughs> Not both my right eyes. Make sure that uh, there's no razor blades. <laughs> right. <laughs> now behold, Saul was coming from the field behind the oxen, and Saul said, What is wrong with the people that they are weeping? So they told him the news of the men of Jabesh, and the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul when he heard these words, and his anger was greatly kindled. And so King Saul gathers a company of men and goes down and destroys the Ammonites. All right, and bring salvation to the people of Jabesh. And they're all like, wow, this guy's awesome. Now notice this in verse 12. Then the people said to Samuel, who was it that said, shall Saul reign over us? Bring them in that we may put them to death. It was those worthless fellows. It was those worthless fellows. Listen to what Saul says. Oh, I lost my place. So Saul says to them, there will be no death today. It's not happening, guys. So go back to your homes. Everything's cool. So now... From here, Saul, he is sort of taking that role as king. It's been sort of thrust upon him. He doesn't want it, but he's doing it. He's doing it the best that he can. And so, so far, so good for him. Uh, Verse 12 And when you saw that Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, so we are in chapter 
looks like chapter 12, verse 12. And when you saw that Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, no, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. And now behold the king whom you have chosen for whom you have asked. Behold, the Lord has set a king over you. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, and if both you and the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God, it will be well. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. Now, therefore, stand still and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. This is Samuel speaking. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call upon the Lord that he may send thunder and rain, and you shall know and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord, and asking for yourselves a king. So Samuel called upon the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord. And Samuel. So it seems like Saul has done everything right, But Samuel has got that consistent message that you are wicked for wanting a king, and Saul knows that. And so Samuel says in front of everybody, let me show you how wicked you are. I'm going to call down the thunder, and he does. And Saul heard the thunder and felt the rain. So he knows I'm in this position, and God doesn't really want me. Wouldn't you say that was true? That's 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 how I would feel, especially with Samuel telling him that all the time. Right, right. One day, God will replace you with someone more worthy. Right, exactly. You hear that all the time. It is, and and so basically, I'm going to really speed it up here. So now, what? Now that you understand sort of the backdrop of this king. Now he's he's doing his best. He sees this opportunity to fight the Philistines who are constantly a sore in the Israelites' butt. And he calls on Samuel, come up and help me, you know, come and make a sacrifice to the Lord so we can win in battle. And Samuel doesn't show. Samuel doesn't show. It's seven days and Samuel doesn't show. So Saul takes the opportunity and he goes and he sacrifices and he goes down and he, you know, fights the Philistines. And whenever Samuel comes back, he's like, what's going on? Like, what are you doing? It's like, well, you weren't here. Power so, struggle. Yeah. So I did my thing. Power struggle. Yeah. The, this, the, the second man is, is uh, angry because the first man took away his important job. Yeah. So the next strike against Saul is this. Now in chapter 15, verse three, now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Listen to the commandment that God gives to King Saul. Listen to this closely. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So he tells them, completely obliterate them, right? You know, they didn't have the coronavirus vaccine back then. So Saul defeats the Amalekites. However, he he spares the king's life, Agag, and he saves the best of the sheep and the oxen and the fattened calves and the lambs and everything that was good and didn't utterly destroy them. I think this is a moment where sort of like a rebellion on his part. You get it? You didn't want me anyway. I'm here. I don't want to be here. You're you're talking smack against me. You're bringing down the thunder on well, me. You tell me to destroy is, all these people. He, he I'm keeping some good. for forgiveness every single time. You know, when, when he... <laughs> When he defeated the Philistines Mm -hmm. and Samuel fell apart, he had everybody fast, and anyone that didn't was going to be put to death. Right. So let's go back a few 
chapters in the Bible and remember about killing one's son as a sacrifice to God. And his son was one that ate, and he was going to sacrifice his son. And the only reason he didn't kill his son was because everybody else said, hey, he's been doing great things. Don't kill him. Right. So he Talking was, about Jonathan? Yeah. Yeah. He, he was repentant to the point where he was willing to kill his son for God, and that wasn't good enough for Samuel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a very, I mean, you make a very strong argument. Samuel comes to him after this, right? After he had saved everything. And so Samuel was very upset by the fact that he hadn't done it. And so uh, verse 22, has the Lord as has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams, for rebellion is as the sin of divination. And presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. So now it's been stated. We're done. And so now God's going to go looking for someone else. And, and he then finds Samuel one. does it behind his back. Instead of coming to him and saying, Samuel We're replacing retires. With David, I'm going, he, he anoints David behind his back. Mm-hmm. Samuel retires, uh, basically. He's done. His sons are in charge. He's got a king there now. So he's taken a back seat. And Saul, uh, basically, it says that Samuel will not see Saul again until his death. It never mentions that that Saul and Samuel ever see one another again Well, while Samuel is alive. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, and we're going to get to that very soon. And so, like you said, this is what Saul says to Samuel. I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord in your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may bow before the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. As Samuel turned to go away, Saul seized the skirt of his robe and tore it. And Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret, for he is not a man that he should have regret. Then he said, And Saul says, I have sinned, yet honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel, and return with me that I may bow before the Lord your God. So Samuel did turn back after Saul, and Saul bowed before the Lord. Then Samuel said, bring here to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came to him cheerfully. This was that king that he'd spared his life. Came to him cheerfully. Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past now. And Samuel said, as your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked Agag to pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. So we got some more hacking, you know, be a great time for a quartet to jump in. And Samuel hacked Agag into pieces. Your mom is at one of those things right now, isn't she? She sure is. Where's she at? The quartet convention. Yeah. She's up in Pigeon Forge. She got upset with me last night because I hadn't <laughs> responded to a text. Tell them. I don't know what the text was. <laughs> she you got to respond to your mother-in-law. She just, I was talking to her on the phone and she said, well, I text Rick and he hasn't responded. So I, don't, I hope I didn't make him mad. So my sweet mother-in-law sends me this. Oh, 
is there anything more scarier than that? <laughs> she sends me that and she said, <laughs> see what you're missing? <laughs> And that's in Pigeon Forge? Yeah, but of all that's places, a, that's, that's like Myrtle Beach. That's or a something. statement, not a question. So I'm not sure you're supposed you have to respond to that. Well That's Myrtle Beach at the mountains. Yeah, Myrtle, yeah exactly. Yeah. You have to respond to your mother in law. You absolutely do. So yeah, Samuel I'm gonna tell you for the future for future reference, the correct response to that is the word. Yes. <laughs> See what you're missing? Yes. Yes. Well, I did tell her that yes, I loved ma'am. her later. She, she, just so you guys know, a lot of the study aids that I get come directly from her. Like, I, we may not agree on very many things, and I'll come and I'll tell her, and she will stand her ground, and she'll be like, you're wrong about that, and I'm going to tell you why, and I'm going to show you in the Bible, and I'll say, you're not going to be able to show me in the Bible. Um, let's do this. And so we'll go back and forth, and the next day, she'll walk up, and she'll hand me a book. And or she'll bring me a study aid to say, I know you're working on that, but I want you to be able to study it. So she's wonderful. I love her so much. So now let's get in to this this part. You have something brown on your nose. <laughs> <laughs> and notice all of our feet are up on our chairs. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Glad I wore this vest. Does, she, does your mother listen to this? No. <laughs> no she hasn't mother. yet. She hasn't yet. <laughs> No, she doesn't listen to it. But when she does, I love you so much. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's get in. Now, Sammy goes behind Saul's back, like he says, and he picks up David. Uh, The Philistines come on the scene. We've talked about this where uh, the giant Goliath comes out and he's cursing all the people. And King Saul's over there quaking in his boots because he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't have a prophet to talk to. You know, he's alone in this battle. David comes, gets his brother some cheese, you know, a wheel of cheese, and goes out and he strikes down Goliath. And now people start singing about David. David is this, he's the man, and he's been anointed king. 10,000 for David, 1,000 for Saul. That's right. And that it became a song. Like yeah. they were like, and Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his 10,000s. No, and it was like you, a song. You, you got to sing it better. Sing than it that. now. No, you sing it. I'm not like, singing it. You, you, Holly, sing you sing it. Chorus, yeah, the, I don't know the song. 10,000 for <laughs> David, 1,000 for Saul, <laughs> and that's the Hallelujah. Way it and got kicked in the ball. <laughs> <laughs> he only had one. So. <laughs> Samuel hacked off the other one <laughs> with my sword. <laughs> with my sword. So David comes back and forth uh, with Saul. There's this. Saul starts having night terrors. God sends a spirit to torment Saul in the night, and he's he can't sleep. He's struggling, and so the servants of Saul said, "Let's find somebody that can play the lyre, like this." stringed instrument really good and sing beautifully to get you to sleep. And who do they pick? David, the young David. And so David comes in and he's the one that's singing Saul to sleep at night. And then a a tormenting spirit sent from God would come on Saul and Saul would pick up a spear and throw it at David and try to pin him against the wall. And then David would go on the run and now he's hiding in caves and Saul's coming after him. And, you know, it's bad. Like this, it just... It gets worse and worse. They just keep going back and forth. There's a time whenever Saul's asleep in his tent and his servants are around him and David and one of his servants go out and they sneak into the encampment and come right into the tent and take Saul's spear and then go away because he could have killed him that night, but he didn't. He's trying. And, and by the way, Saul at some point had given David his daughter Milka, and yeah. And so. And then tried to trick him. <laughs> 
Yeah. He didn't. He gave the older daughter. No, that was a different story. That was that would have been Jacob and Leah and Rachel. No, no, no. It was Saul. What are you talking about? Saul promised him his oldest daughter and ended up giving him his as his his second daughter, and it turned out on Saul. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saul because David and uh, Micah fell in love. I need to study my Bible, Ralph. Kick his donkey, Ralph. (laughs) (laughs) Right in the burrow. Take oh that. my gosh! Ooh, right in the burrow. That sounds uncomfortable. <laughs> I know, right? So, in order to wrap this up, we've already went a very long time, but I'm I, we're we're going to have to read this. So, the Philistines now, you know, David is is gone. Uh, Saul thinks that David is actually fighting with the Philistines because he's staying in Ziklag, and because Ahimelech, uh, the priest, uh, has helped him, and now. While he's with theoretically with the Philistines, the Philistines are like, look, this guy, he's an Israelite. We know what's going to happen. As soon as he's going to battle, he's going to turn his back on us. So they're like, sorry, David, you can't fight with us, okay? So Saul, in desperation, is trying to get some help. And so this is where it brings us to the theme, our Halloween theme, which is called Saul and the Witch of Endor. And it is in chapter 28. In those days, the Philistines gathered their forces for war to fight against Israel. And Achish said to David, Understand that you and your men are to go out with me in the army. David said to Achish, Very well, you you shall know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, Very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. Now Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the necromancers out of the land. The Philistines assembled and came and encamped at Shunem, and Saul gathered all Israel, and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams, or by Urim, or by prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, Seek out for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a medium at Endor. Uh, Andy, would you please put on some eerie music for me here? So is a medium like a four, not a sorcerer. ten? Sorcerer. <laughs> she was a sorcerer. <laughs> or sorceress. Look, dude, six is the new zero. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. No, zero is, the, zero is the new six. I, was, I thought it was interesting... And I've known this for years. Don't but put the eerie music going. here. <laughs> this is silliness. Unless you just want to for comedy's sake. Well, just whenever Ralph speaks, I'm just going to put eerie music. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Even if he's like, if he's saying something silly, it doesn't matter. Well, what I thought was interesting, and I and I and I knew this when I read this because I'd heard it before and I read it before, but I didn't understand it in a different way. I thought it was curious. The Lord turns back on him. So who does he turn to? Now you're going to say, mm-hmm. yeah, the dark side. No, yep, yeah, no, no, no. But who does he turn to? Who do they bring forth? Samuel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting that, you know, here this person that's told him he wasn't good enough and all this other stuff, and he still goes, he's still asking for counsel. Yeah. that He's going to the one that actually made him who he was. Yeah. All right. So, Andy, now cue <laughs> the Check. scary music. So... Saul disguised himself and put on other garments and went, he and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night, and they came to the woman by night. And he said, Divine for me 
by a spirit and bring up for me whomever I shall name to you. The woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the necromancers from the land. Why then are you laying a trap for my life to bring about my death? But Saul swore to her by the Lord, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? He said, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a God coming up out of the earth. He said to her, What is his appearance? And she said, An old man is coming up, and he is wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage. Then Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul answered, I am in great distress, for the Philistines are warring against me, and God has turned away from me and answers me no more, either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore I have summoned you to tell me, What shall I do? And Samuel said, Why then do you ask me since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done to you as he spoke by me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor David, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek. Therefore the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will give Israel also with you into the hands of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons shall be with me. The Lord will give the army of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. Then Saul fell at once full length on the ground, filled with fear because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he had eaten nothing all day and all night. And the woman came to Saul, and when she saw that he was terrified, she said to him, Behold, your servant has obeyed you. I have taken my life in my hand and have listened to what you have said to me. Now, therefore, you also obey your servant. Let me set a morsel of bread before you and eat, that you may have strength when you go on your way. He refused and said, I will not eat. But his servants, together with the woman, urged him, and he listened to their words. So he arose from the earth and sat on the bed. Now the woman had a fattened calf in the house, and her other calf was fat as well. <laughs> That's hot. <laughs> I love that that detail is necessary somehow. <laughs> It's, there was a woman with some fat calves in the house. No, there was, yeah, she That's had on one. my date side. And, uh, <laughs> you got any fat calves? <laughs> no, she Can- kills a fattened calf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. And there was a woman with cankles in the house. And the house did shook when she walked. Hello. <laughs> now the woman had a fattened calf in the house and she quickly killed it. And she took flour and kneaded it and baked unleavened bread of it. And she put it before Saul and his servants and they ate. Then they rose and went away that night. So Saul seeks the help of a witch. And when he does, you know, we talked about this in some previous podcasts where that Samuel went and slept where the fathers slept, where they went. And so this woman has the ability to conjure up a spirit that a person names. I thought that was really wild, you know? Biblical witch stories. Yeah, I mean, it's real. I mean, uh, according to Deuteronomy, it says if uh, any wizard or witch shall be put to death, you know? So now we're going to get into the final part of the story. 
The Philistines were fighting. This is chapter 31. The Philistines were fighting against Israel, and the men of Israel fled before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Golboa. And the Philistines overtook Saul and his sons, and the Philistines struck down Jonathan and Abinadab and Malkishua, the sons of Saul. So, so far, everything that Samuel said is coming true. Even in death, he's prophesying truth. Verse 3, the battle pressed hard against Saul, and the archers found him. He was badly wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and mistreat me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he feared greatly. Therefore Saul took his own sword and fell upon it. So that's the end of him. There's more, and you can go on and read all about the armor-bearer in the next day, and Basically, uh, they uh, the next day when the Philistines come to strip the slain, they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Goboa. So they cut off his head, stripped off his armor, and sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to carry the good news to the house of their idols and to the people. So much kind of like what happened in in the earlier story of when you asked me, like, why did he cut him up? You see what they're doing? They're sending yeah. a message. Yeah, they're using it for evidence and, yeah. That's, for evidence yeah. and for a message, like, this is what happens. You no, know, there were a bunch of guys that went and got the bodies. They, they went and stole the bodies and took them back and burned them and buried them mm-hmm. so that they couldn't get the message out any further. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I wonder if Samuel was ever judged for his, children, for his sons. I mean, you know, he raised them. What kind of an example did he set? I mean, he was so righteous, and then his sons were that way. I mean, yeah, I mean, you would think, right? I mean, you would think that if they were taking bribes, it's obviously, it never says anything about them, though, does it? No. And I'm worried about, I mean, I'm worried about simple things like, did I say something or do something in front of someone that wasn't Christian-like that made them think, ah, see, they're all like that, so I'm not going to church with my friend tomorrow, and that person could have been saved, and the Lord's going to say, you lost this one, you lost that one, you lost this one, you lost that one— you know, that's the, I'm, I'm afraid of that. I couldn't imagine my kids becoming evil. Yeah. I'm lucky I have good kids. So Saul is, sorry, Saul is, uh, Saul was the, not the king. No, Saul was Saul the king. Saul was the king. Samuel, Samuel was, was the priest. And the, Saul the had prophecy. But, and Samuel had three boys that took over after him when he kind of retired. And, and, and they, they were the ones that they took, took bribes. And, yeah, because they made them judges. Uh-huh. And they took bribes and did all this bad stuff. Huh. I don't know. I mean, that's not a good look, for sure. Does not reflect greatly on him as well. No. What's crazy is everything that you said, all the reading, all the, all the, everything that happened, kings, killings, witches, everything was God's plan. Yes. That was a simple thing of somebody forgetting to shut the donkeys up. You got it. There it is. That's exactly what I was talking about. How are we, you know, like something that's very simple that could happen tomorrow that could just change everything. The butterfly effect. Yeah, very much so. Yes. It is basically the message of God's sovereign will being done. You would have to ask yourself which one didn't lock up the donkeys. Yeah. Right? Yeah. On purpose. I mean, if if, if he was such if, a worthless fellow, yeah. If we're not going to listen to God, stop it. Then, <laughs> then he's still going to make it happen. So, so mean, know? so mean. 
So, oh. yeah, but that's a great point. I mean, all because somebody didn't shut the donkeys up, it changed yeah. the course of history. Yeah. It led all the way to David. It led all the way to Christ. That guy who didn't shut those donkeys up, the butterfly effect, gets it through the lineage of David all the way to where in Bethlehem, of took Judea. a left turn at Albuquerque. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, so I saw the, a ghost the other day, and I asked him, I said, would you like some dessert? And they're like, well, what do you have? And I said, ice cream. <laughs> they were like, sorry, I can't uh, take it right now. I'm on a diet. I'm watching my ghoulish figure. <laughs> oh, oh, and I'd like to say that uh, Rick just did this eyebrow thing. and uh, <laughs> Oh, he's been doing it. It completed the joke. I felt yeah. Like. I can't see him because he's behind the light. So oh, I'm just yeah. getting a, he's all a silhouette. So he's of like him. spooky. All I can see is the best. Spooky Rick. So. Yeah. I do have my shirt off. <laughs> um, that is ghoulish. Do you know why mummies uh, never take a vacation? No, Rick. Why do mummies <laughs> never take a vacation? They don't like to unwind. Oh, okay. Never heard that. That's all I got. So thank <laughs> you, honey, for being on the show. Thank I'm you, so, Holly. I'm so glad you got to see the sausage get made. <laughs> you know, when you say it, Rick, I don't like the way it sounds. Yeah, right. I, yeah, those worthless circle. fellows like yeah, yeah. to see how the sausage was made. The sausage circle. Welcome to the sausage circle. I am not being dirty. <laughs> well, thank you, Billy. I appreciate it as always. Thank and you, Ralph. Rick. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you next time on and the Holly, Burrow. Thanks for forgiving me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Forgiving you what? For no, forgiving me. Forgiving you what? Not two words. Not two words. One word. That guy gave you sausage? <laughs> no. Jimmy Dean is in the house. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be a joke somewhere, but I, anyway. I don't know, but I didn't realize that my ADHD was so bad. Oh, did you really? Oh, yeah. I've sat over here and rocked, and I've bumped into the mic. And well, This is just your first time. You probably, you probably have a lot of Oh, you have no idea make. what a good thing it is that, like, I sit in a separate room and have a button that mutes the microphone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's out of control. Yeah. yeah. Well, with this special holiday edition, I didn't want to pick on anybody, you know. But we, I have been working on Joel Osteen, and a friend of mine— <laughs> A friend of mine said, Joel Osteen, he's got that look. He's like that guy. He looks like he could eat a hot dog for an hour and never take a bite. <laughs> just think about that for a few I days. I don't know what that means. Oh. I know. Just do the, Just think wow. about it for a minute. If you feel. If you want to see how the sausage is made. Anyway, thanks for listening to the Burroughs of Maria. We'll he's talk to you next time. Quit while you're behind. Quit. Yep. See you guys. Bye.